Holy Spirit would just lead me, Lord, as we as we go uh, just verse by verse in the study, Lord, uh, phrase by phrase, as we just uh, look at the subject that's before us, and as we attempt to study your word and learn from it, Lord, help us to be able to learn it, to apply it to our lives if, if need be, and, and then also to teach others also. In your precious name I pray. Amen. Amen. All right, well, we're there in Matthew chapter 3. And if you remember last week, we dealt with most of the chapter. Uh, we, we preached up to verse number 13, and we dealt with the ministry of John the Baptist. Remember, we went through that whole wilderness preaching and, and, and the ministry of John, and that was uh, a great, great study about John the Baptist. John is very interesting. I think one of the most interesting characters in the Bible, John the Baptist. And there's a lot of that, that goes into his life that we couldn't cover last week. And I remember, remember I told you last week that we're going to deal with John the Baptist, and we're going to hold off on the last few verses that deal with the baptism of Jesus Christ because I feel like the baptism of Jesus Christ is a pretty big event in Scripture. And not only that, baptism itself is a pretty important doctrine to know about, to understand. And you're sitting in a Baptist church tonight, so guess what? We want to, uh, you know, be pretty confident that we know what baptism is, alright? And uh, now you need to understand this, okay? When we started the book of Matthew, we started with the genealogy, we started with the story of his birth, and in chapter 3, we, from chapter 2 to chapter 3, we kind of fast forward 30 years or so, and then we started to learn about John the Baptist, who was supposed to come before Jesus Christ. Now we're to the place where Jesus is getting ready to begin his earthly ministry, and you need to understand this, okay? He's getting ready to begin his earthly ministry... And he starts where we should all start with baptism. Okay? You need to understand this. The first thing that God asks of someone that gets saved. Okay? The first thing you do after salvation, after you get saved, God asks that someone would get baptized. And Jesus started his ministry with baptism as an example for the rest of us uh, to follow in believers' baptism. Now we're going to go through the baptism of Christ and learn a few things. But there's one thing we cannot learn from the baptism of Christ. Okay? So I want you to uh, keep your finger there in Matthew. We're going to come back to it. But go with me to the book of Acts. Acts chapter number 8. Acts chapter number 8. And I want you to understand this. I'll, I'll try to go through it as quickly as I can. But I want you to understand what's going on in Acts chapter number 8. So you're there in the book of Matthew. Matthew, Mark, Luke, John, Acts. Acts chapter number 8. And let's go ahead and we'll begin reading at verse number uh, 26. Acts chapter number 8. And we'll begin reading at verse number 26. So just so you understand the, the what's going on. In the story, the Bible says, And the angel of the Lord spake unto Philip. Okay, Philip was one of the seven. Remember the seven that were chosen to help the uh, apostles there in the church in Jerusalem? And the angel of the Lord spake unto Philip, saying, Arise, go toward the south, unto the way that goeth down from Jerusalem unto Gaza, which is desert. So the angel appears to Philip. He says, I want you to go to this certain location. Verse 27. And he arose and went, and behold, a man of Ethiopia, a eunuch. Okay, so here you got this man from Ethiopia. He's a eunuch of great authority. Okay, so this guy, he, he's, he's got authority. He's like a politician. Look what it says. Under Candace, queen of the Ethiopians, who had the charge of all her treasures. So this guy, like in the United States, we have, you know, uh, 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 a guy who runs the treasury. All right? This is pretty much the same position that this guy had uh, for this queen there. She, he had charge of all her treasure, and had come to Jerusalem for to worship. Verse 28. 
was returning, the Ethiopian eunuch, and sitting in his chariot, read Isaiah the prophet. So you got to understand what's going on here. You got this Ethiopian eunuch, you got this politician, this guy running the treasury, he's in Jerusalem, there to worship, he's riding down the road, in a chariot, and he's reading the book of Isaiah. It says, Isaiah is there, but that's Isaiah the prophet. So he's got the Bible, he's reading the book of Isaiah, verse 29, then the Spirit said unto Philip, Go near and enjoy thyself to this chariot. And Philip ran hither to him and heard him read the prophet Isaiah and said, Now notice the question that he asked, okay? And I'm not preaching about this, but I just want you to see this. Uh, Philip asked him, he said, Understandest thou what thou readest? He's reading the book of Isaiah, he's reading the Bible, he says, Do you understand what you're reading? Verse 31. And he said, How can I, except the man should guide me? Everybody needs a soul winner. Everybody needs someone to explain to them the Word of God. And that's our job, to go and explain. That's why, yeah, at Mary Baptist Church, we don't go out, you know, canvassing neighborhoods and just dropping off, you know, uh, you know, Johns and Romans. And I don't think there's anything wrong with passing out the Bible, but I'm here to tell you, unsaved people can't understand the Bible. They don't have the Holy Spirit to understand Scripture. They need somebody to explain it to them so they can get saved, then they get the Holy Spirit, and then they can begin to read the Bible and understand. So, anyway, I'm not preaching about that, but just want you to notice that there. He said, verse 31, He said, How can I, except a man should guide me? And he desired Philip that he would come up and sit with him. The place of the Scripture which he read was this. Okay, So he's reading, the, the Bible's going to tell us here what he's reading. Now, if you want to uh, write this down for your own personal notes, this is a quote from Isaiah chapter 53, verses 7 and 8. Okay, Isaiah 53. Verses 7 and 8. He was led as a sheep to the slaughter, and like a lamb dumb before his shears, so opened he not his mouth. In his humiliation, his judgment was taken away. Who shall declare his generation? For his life is taken from the earth. Okay? So that's the passage that they were reading. Verse 34. Okay? And the eunuch, okay, the eunuch is the sinner, answered Philip and said, I pray thee. So the eunuch is going to ask Philip. The eunuch is the sinner. Philip is the soul winner. Okay, the eunuch is going to ask Philip a question here. Notice what he says. I pray thee, of whom speaketh the prophet this? Of himself or of some other man? Because the prophecy, what he's reading there is a prophecy. He was led as a sheep to the slaughter, like a lamb uh, dumb uh, uh, before his ears, so opened he not his mouth. Okay, so he's reading about the fact that Jesus is going to die, but the eunuch doesn't understand. Here's a question he asks. He says, is Isaiah saying that this is going to happen to him, or is Isaiah saying that this is going to happen to some other man? Alright? Verse 34. And the eunuch answered Philip and said, I pray thee, of whom speaketh the prophet this? Of himself, or of some other man? Verse 35. Then Philip, here's what a soul winner does, opened his mouth and began at the same scripture and preached unto him Jesus. Okay? So Philip begins to explain to him, you know, this is talking about Jesus Christ, and he begins to preach them the gospel. Okay, do you understand the context? Look at verse 36. And as they went on their way, they came unto a certain water. And the eunuch said, so here's another question. See, here is water. What doth hinder me to be baptized? So he says, what is, the word hinder means, what is stopping me from getting baptized? He said, there's some water right here. What's hindering me from getting baptized? Now look at verse 37. And Philip said, if thou believest with all thine heart, thou mayest. So, here's a question. What's stopping me from getting baptized? He said, well, here's what's stopping you from getting baptized. If you believe, then you can get baptized. He said, if you get saved, then you can get baptized. What's salvation? If thou shalt confess with thy mouth the Lord Jesus, and believe in thine heart that God has raised him from the dead, thou shalt be saved. Okay? So he said, well, what's stopping me from getting baptized? He said, well, if you believe, then you can get baptized. Now notice, the eunuchs is going to get saved right here. Verse 37. And Philip said, if thou believest with all thine heart, thou mayest. And he answered and said. So notice, he's going to confess with his mouth. And notice what he confessed. I believe that 
Jesus Christ is the Son of God. Alright? So he gets saved. So what do they do? Verse 38, And he commanded the chariot to stand still, and they went down both into the water, both Philip and the eunuch, and he baptized him. Say, so why did you read all that? You need to understand this. Scriptural baptism, biblical baptism, happens after salvation. You say, what's hindering me from being baptized? you got to get saved. What's hindering me from being baptized? you got to believe. What's hindering me from getting baptized? And by the way, that's why at Verity Baptist Church, we perform no infant baptisms. We don't baptize children that are not, that, that are not saved. Say, why don't you baptize a, a, an infant? A ba- a, an infant is not lost. Amen. If an infant dies, they go to heaven. Do you understand that? Amen. Not till they get to that age of accountability where they understand the difference between good and evil. Uh, are they at the place that they need to understand? You know, they're, they're, not, they're not condemned, okay? So why would we baptize somebody that's not saved? You get saved first, then we baptize you. You believe. What does hinder me to be baptized? If thou believest with all thine heart, thou mayest. Well, I believe that Jesus Christ is the Son of God. He said, well, let's baptize you then. You understand that? Okay? Now, I can't teach you that out of, out of the example of Jesus. Here's why. Jesus never needed to get saved. You understand that? Amen. Jesus never needed salvation. Jesus is salvation. Okay? So, so I can't really explain that to you from, from the baptism of uh, Christ. But you need to understand this. When it comes to you and when, when it comes to me, someone must first be saved, then baptized. That's how it works. What's hindering me from being baptized? you got to believe. Alright? Now keep your finger there in Acts 8 because we're going to actually come back to it. We'll go back to Matthew chapter 3. Matthew chapter 3, okay? Jesus did not need salvation. He was salvation, okay? So let's see. Let, let, I want to give you as quickly as I can do it, alright? It's already 7.43. As quickly as I can do it, I want to give you a few things to think about in regards to the baptism of Christ. The baptism of Christ teaches us certain things about baptism, okay? Are you there in Matthew chapter 3? Look at verse 13. Why don't you notice these words? Then cometh Jesus... From Galilee to Jordan, okay? So Jesus traveled from Galilee to Jordan unto John. Why did he come? To be baptized of him. The first thing we can learn of baptism, uh, uh, from the baptism of Christ is this. That baptism should be given priority. He wasn't waiting till it was convenient for him. He wasn't waiting till you know, sometime when John comes over here, then maybe I'll get baptized. Jesus said, you know what? I need to get baptized. I'm going to take the time. I'm going to make the effort. I'm going to go over to where John is. Then cometh Jesus from Galilee to Jordan unto John for one purpose, to be baptized of him. Jesus made a special effort to be baptized. So something we can learn from the baptism of Christ, it teaches us that baptism is to be given a priority. Now go, 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 back, to, go back to Acts 8. Did you keep your finger there? I told you to keep your finger there, right? Go, go back to Acts 8, alright? Look, and by the way, let me just tell you this about Acts 8, and I'm not preaching on the King James Bible. But you know, uh, the modern Bible versions, your NIV, your ESV, your, uh, you know, the, the, the modern... Uh, Perversions of Scripture, okay? They completely remove verse 37 from Acts chapter 8, okay? If you've got a modern Bible version, you go verse 34, 35, 36, 38. They don't even change the numbers, they just remove it, okay? So you're reading a, Bi- you're reading a, new, a new Bible version, this is what you read. And as they went on their way, they came unto a certain water, and the eunuch said, See, here is water, what does hinder me baptized? And he commanded the church to stand still, and they went down both into the water and baptized him. What did they remove? Salvation in Jesus Christ. Believing in Jesus Christ. So guess what? If I was reading in NIV, then yeah, it would be okay to baptize a baby. Because what's hindering me to be getting baptized? Well, it looks like nothing. He just baptized him. 
Okay? They completely remove a verse. Uh, study that out on your own if you'd like. But here's what I want you to see, okay? In verse 37, the eunuch gets saved, right? And he answered and said, I believe that Jesus Christ is the Son of God, right? In verse 38, he commanded the chair to stand still, and they went down both into the water, both Philip and the eunuch, and he baptized him. Now, is there any indication that between verse 37 and 38, there was a 12-week course on baptism? Do you see that there? Was there any indication that between verse 37 and 38, you know, he took, you know, five years to kind of figure out if he was really into it or try to get himself ready? No. Whenever you study baptism in Scripture, you'll find that in the Bible, they baptize people as close, I mean, as soon as possible. As soon as the person got saved, they try to baptize them. You get saved in verse 37, guess what? We're baptizing you in verse 38. We're not even going to wait to verse 40. We're not going to go to chapter 9. Do you see what I'm saying? I mean, we're just going to do it. Go to Acts 16. You say, well, that's kind of a weak argument. Okay, go to Acts 16. Acts 16, look at verse 29. Acts 16. Do you remember uh, the story? Uh, well, let's begin reading verse 25. So you can get the whole passage. Remember the story uh, of uh, Paul and Silas? They are in prison. That was a normal place for Paul to be. And verse 25, And at midnight, Paul and Silas prayed and sang praises unto God. Hey, isn't that, isn't that a good testimony from Paul? He's in prison. He's going through trials. He's going through troubles. And what's he doing? He is singing praises to God. He is happy. He is, he's just praising God. Amen. And the prisoners heard them. Hey, that's a good testimony. And suddenly, okay, there was a great earthquake. So that the foundations of the prisons were shaken. And immediately, now this is... All the doors were open. Keep in mind, this is a prison. Not exactly the most honest people there, right? And everyone's bands were loose. So there's an earthquake. All the doors open. All the chains fall off. All these prisoners are free. And the keeper of the prison, verse 27, awaking out of his sleep, sounds like a government worker, and seeing the prison doors open, he drew out his sword and would have killed himself, supposing that the prisoners had been fled. Because in these days, if you were in charge of keeping track of a prisoner, and that prisoner fell, uh, got away, then guess what? They took your life for him. So he, he gets up, he's like, all the doors are open, everybody, I mean, he's like, everybody's gone. He's going to take a sword and just kill himself. Alright, verse 28. But Paul cried with a loud voice, saying, do thyself no harm, for we are all here. Now look, it was not only a miracle that God opened all the doors. It was not only a miracle that all the chains, all the, all the uh, fetters were taken off. It was a miracle that all those prisoners stayed. And I wonder if it had something to do with the testimony of Paul when Paul was in prison. I wonder if those prisoners hearing Paul pray and sing praises, I wonder if that got them to think, wow, there must be something to that Christianity. You better remember that the world is watching you. The world is looking how you react at things. And these prisoners, they stayed there. Now look at this, okay? Verse 28. And Paul cried with a loud voice, saying, Do thyself no harm, for we are all here. Verse 29. Then he called for a light, and sprang in, and came trembling, and fell down before Paul and Silas. Okay, this is the only time you'll find this in Scripture. This is a scriptural event. you got this prison guard. Gotta, keep in mind, this guy was getting ready to kill himself just a minute ago. Paul said, don't kill yourself, we're all here. Look, look at verse 29. Then he called for a light, and sprang in, and came trembling. This guy's shaking. And fell down before Paul and Silas. And brought them out and said, 
Sir, what must I do to be saved? Now look, how did they know how did he know to ask them how to be saved? Because they were in prison, yet they were singing praises to God. He knew where to go. And he said, Sirs, what must I do to be saved? Verse 31. And they said, Believe on the Lord Jesus Christ. You'll find that? And thou shalt be saved in thy house. You see that? So he said, What must I do to be saved? He said, Believe on the Lord Jesus Christ, and thou shalt be saved. Verse 32. And they spake unto him the word of the Lord to all that were in the house. And he took them the same hour of the night and washed their stripes. So these guys had gotten beaten. They, they didn't just get thrown in prison. They got beaten. Now notice. Verse 33. Okay? The guy just got saved, right? Verse 33, and he took them three weeks later. Is that what it says? He took him six months later after they checked him out and made sure that they were actually saved. They saw some fruit. Is that what it says? He took them the same hour of the night. He got saved at midnight, and at midnight they baptized him. Do you understand that? And he spake unto them the word of the Lord to all that were in hell. And he took them the same hour of the night and washed the stripes and was baptized he and his and all his, notice this word, straightway. You know what the word straightway means? Immediately. So as soon as he got back, he got saved, just immediately got baptized. Why? Because we can learn from the baptism of Christ, go back to Matthew, that baptism is urgent. He gave it priority. And in the Bible you find that people, as soon as they get saved, they get baptized. As, now, obviously, you know, at Verity Baptist Church, we baptize people whenever they want. We don't force people to get baptized or anything like that. But I'm here to tell you, you ought to just, as soon as, you're, as, soon as someone's saved, you ought to get baptized. You, you get somebody saved, encourage them to get baptized. Tell them, hey, you know, the next step is for you to get baptized. Because the, what we can learn from Jesus, go back to Matthew, is, I'm sorry, go to Romans, go to Romans real quickly. What we can learn from, from Jesus is that baptism is an important thing. And Jesus gave baptism priority. He gave baptism, uh, you know, he made it important. He took the time to go do it. So number one, what can we learn from the baptism of Christ? It teaches us that we are to give baptism priority. Number two, what can we learn from the baptism of Christ? It teaches us that baptism identifies you. Baptism identifies you. Now let me show you this in Romans and we'll go back to Matthew, okay? Romans chapter 6. Now keep your finger in Romans, because we're going to come back to Romans, uh, I think, I think also. I think I put that in my notes. Maybe not. Romans 6. Look at what it says. Verse 3. Know ye not that so many of us as were baptized, look what it says, into Jesus Christ. You see that? Were baptized into his death. Verse 4. Therefore we are buried with him by baptism into death. That like as Christ was raised up from the dead by the glory of the Father, even so we should walk in newness of life. For if we have been planted together in the likeness of His death, we shall also be in the likeness of His resurrection. You got to understand this. When you get baptized, you are identifying yourself with Jesus Christ. Go to Matthew chapter 3. Baptism, the baptism of Christ, teaches us that baptism identifies you. But you got to understand this, okay? Not only does baptism identify you with Christ. Not only does baptism identify you as a believer. Baptism identifies you with the spiritual leader that is baptizing you. Look at verse 14. Matthew chapter 3, verse 14. Well, look at verse uh, 13. Matthew chapter 3, verse 13. Then cometh Jesus from Galilee to Jordan unto John to baptize, to be baptized of him. Right? So Jesus comes to be baptized of who? John. Now look at the response that John gave, because John's a very humble man. Verse 14. 
But John forbade him, saying, I have need to be baptized of thee, and comest thou to me? He said, John said, I, I can't baptize you. He said, if anything, you should be baptizing me. He said, he said, I can't baptize you, Jesus. Now look at verse 15. And Jesus answering said unto him, Suffer. The word suffer means allow. He says, Suffer it to be so now. He says, Allow it to be so now. For thus becometh us to fulfill all righteousness. You see the word righteousness there? Do you see how the first part of the word says right? This is what Jesus was saying. Jesus was saying, John, I need to get baptized. And if I'm going to do this right, I need you to baptize me. And notice the end of the verse, then he suffered him. you got to understand this, okay? In the day of Christ, there was many religious leaders. There were Pharisees, there were Sadducees, there was priests, there were scribes, there was Levites, there was a high priest, there was uh, uh, lawyers, all religious leaders, okay? Any, why, why, any one of them could have baptized him. But Jesus said, no, I need John to baptize me. Because here's what you understand. When you get baptized, you not only uh, identify yourself with Jesus Christ, but you're identifying yourself with the preacher or the person that's baptizing you. The spiritual leader. So guess what? If Pastor Jimenez baptizes you, then you're identifying yourself with this ministry. Amen. You understand that? You say, well, I don't like Pastor Jimenez. Then you should find someone you do like and have them baptize you. Because when you get baptized, you are identifying yourself not only with Jesus Christ, but with the ministry in which you're being baptized, the church that you're being baptized. And by the way, that's why when you get baptized, you scripturally join the church. Go to Acts chapter 2, look at verse 41. Acts chapter 2, verse 41. Acts chapter 2, verse 41. Acts 2, 41. Baptism identifies you with Christ. Baptism identifies you with the spiritual leader that's baptizing you. Baptism identifies you with the church, or in the case of John, the ministry that baptized you. Acts 2.41, Then they that gladly received uh, his word were baptized the same day that were added unto them. Unto who? The church there. About 3,000 souls. So they got baptized 3,000. They added 3,000. Why? Because baptism identifies you with the church you're getting baptized in. It actually, scripturally, biblically, joins you to that church. Now, obviously, if you've been baptized by another church or, you know, of life, faith, and practice or whatever, you can, you know, we're not going to re-baptize you here, okay? We're not, you know, you get baptized, you're, you're good to go. But what I'm saying is this, when you get baptized, you better, you know, Jesus, he said, I don't want anybody to baptize me. He said, I have to do this right he said, John, I need you to do it. Okay, so what can we learn from the baptism of Christ? We learn that he gave a priority. We learn that it identifies you. Number three, go back to Matthew chapter 3, look at verse 16. Matthew chapter 3, look at verse 16. We can learn that baptism, the baptism of Christ, teaches us that baptism is being submerged underwater. Okay? Now, you said, uh, is that really that important? Well... Uh, it's in the Bible, so it must be important. Amen. Matthew chapter 3, look at verse 16. Matthew three sixteen. And Jesus, when he was baptized, they poured water over his head. That, is that what it says? Jesus, when he was baptized, they sprinkled him. No. Jesus, when he was baptized, look what he says. Went up straightway out of the water. Now you got to understand this, okay? To come up out of the water means you went down into the water. You understand that? Okay? When Jesus was baptized, guess what? They took him under the water, they brought him out of the water. He came straight uh, he came uh, went up straight way out of the water. 
And lo, the heavens were opened unto him, and he saw the Spirit of God descending like a dove, uh, lighting upon him. Go to Acts 8. Did you keep your finger in Acts 8? I think I told you to keep your finger somewhere. I don't remember where. But hopefully it's in Acts 8. If not, then, then get to Acts 8. Look at verse 38, okay? We already saw the story. I'm not going to go through it again, but look at what it says here. Acts 8, 38. Acts 8.38. And he commanded the chariot to stand still. And look what it says. They went down both into the water. Do you see that? Both Philip and the eunuch, and he baptized them. Okay, so they get into the water. Alright? Listen to me. If, if you could sprinkle... If, if biblical baptism is just sprinkling someone or pouring a cup of water, why do you have to go into the water? I mean, does that make any sense? They went down into the water because guess what? They needed to be in deep enough water to put the guy down in the water. Do you understand that? So they went down both into the water, both Philip and Eunuch, and he baptized them, look at verse 39, and when, they, and when they were come up out of the water, guess what? Same way Jesus was baptized, right? When they were come up out of the water, the Spirit of the Lord caught away Philip, and the eunuch saw him no more, and they went on his way rejoicing. Sprinkling or pouring water on someone is not a biblical method of baptism. I would challenge you, find for me in the Bible someone that ever got sprinkled, or pour, they poured water on them. You say, well, well, Pastor Jimenez, you're an idiot. I mean, don't you understand... They can't put a baby underwater, so they sprinkle it. And my response is, no, you're the idiot. Why are they baptizing a baby? <laughs> that, that, that broke the first rule. You don't baptize a, a baby. A baby is not saved. A baby is not lost. The baby doesn't understand. So you, broke, you, know, you break the first rule, and then you break, you know, well, uh, we got to baptize the baby because we believe in more salvation because we believe that baptism is part of salvation, which is not. So we're going to baptize you when you're a baby just to check it off the list. So you, in case you die, you're good to go. But, you know, of course, what are we going to do? Put a baby underwater? No, let's pour water. And then, you know, it comes to this place. you got to decide. Does the Bible even matter? Does what the Bible say even matter anymore? The Bible, biblical baptism is you go down underwater. You come up out of water. And to sprinkle... Okay, go to John chapter 3. John chapter 3. John chapter 3. Look at verse 23. John the what? He was the what? The Baptist, right? You know why they called him that? Because he was baptizing. Alright? He knew, he knew what he was doing, right? John 3.23. John 3.23. And John also was baptizing in Anon near Salem. Salem. Now hold on a second. Notice this. He's baptizing in a specific place. Why? Why is he baptizing there? Because there was much water there. And they came and were baptized. So John said, you know, I'm going to be baptizing people. So I need to find a location where I've got enough water to baptize people. Do you understand that? He was baptizing in Anon near Salem because there was much water there. Okay? Now again, does... If the guy was just taking, you know, a cup of water and pouring on somebody, why would he have to find a location that there was much water there? Do you understand that? Biblical baptism is going down into the water, coming up out of the water. Now go back to Romans chapter 6. Romans chapter 6. You say, well, why? What's the big deal? you got to understand this, okay? Romans chapter 6. And those of you that have been baptized at this church, I've already... I explain this to you, and I, I teach everybody that we baptize, we go through and explain to them what baptism is, and we go through this. But, but 
it's good for us to hear it in a, in a sermon from time to time. And it's Matthew chapter 3, which is what the subject was, alright? Uh, Romans chapter 6, are you there? I want you to notice this. Look at verse 4, okay? Therefore, we are buried with Him by baptism into death, okay? That, make note of these two words, like as. Do you see those words? Let's say those words together. Like as, okay? Therefore, we are buried with Him by baptism unto death. That, like as, right? Christ was raised up from the dead by the glory of the Father. Even so, also, we should walk in newness of life. Verse 5. For we have been planted together in the, make note of this word, likeness. Let's say that word together. Likeness of His death. We shall also be in the, let's say this word together. Likeness of His resurrection. Verse 6. Knowing this, that our old man is crucified with Him, that the body of sin might be uh, destroyed, that henceforth we should not serve sin. Okay, here's what I want you to see, alright? When you read about baptism in the Bible, you find these words here coming up. Like as, likeness, likeness. You understand? Here's what you need to get. Baptism is not salvation. Baptism does not save you. The water does not wash away your sin. People do. You get down in the water and it washes away your sin. Well, I hate to be the person that they baptize next. You know what I mean? You come up with all that guy's sins. Okay, baptism is just water. You understand that? It, it, but here's what, here's what baptism is. It's the likeness. Okay? It's a picture. If I showed you a picture, I got a picture here of someone getting baptized. Okay? I won't. The, these sermons go on the internet, so I won't say the person's name. But there's a picture there of, of me. Let's, let's use that, alright? Okay, is that me? No, it's not. You say, that's not you? No. I'm me. You understand that? This is a picture of me. This is the image of me. This is the like as or likeness of me. But this is not me. You understand that? I'm me. This picture's me. Salvation is believe on the Lord Jesus Christ and thou shalt be saved. Salvation is be washed in the blood of the Lamb. Baptism pictures salvation. It's the like as or the likeness. It's an image of salvation. It's not salvation. You understand that? Okay? To sprinkle or pour messes up the picture. You say, why? Because when a sinner or a person goes down into that water, and they're standing or sitting there, and the water is coming up to their chest or their midsection, whatever, that is a picture of the cross. When the pastor then takes that individual and plunges them underneath the water, that is a picture of the burial of Jesus Christ. And when you come up out of the water, that is a picture of the resurrection of Jesus Christ. When someone gets baptized, here's what they're saying. I believe that Jesus Christ died on the cross, was buried, and rose from the grave as a payment for my sin. Not only are they saying I believe that Jesus is that, they're saying I believe that one day I'm going to die, but I will be resurrected because I'm a believer in Jesus Christ. When you pour water someone, you mess that up. Do you understand that? Because baptism is the likeness, likeness, like as. It's an image. It's a picture. It is something we do on the outside to show what happened on the inside. Do you understand that? Salvation happens on the inside. I believe that if thou shalt confess with thy mouth the Lord Jesus and believe in thine heart that God hath raised him from dead, thou shalt be saved. I can't see your heart. 
Salvation happens on the inside. But you then, when you go and you get baptized, you are publicly showing, doing an outside thing to show people, here's what I believe, here's what I am. I often like to explain to people, baptism is like a wedding ring. Okay? Baptism is like a wedding ring. My wife and I, June 5th of this year, will have been married 10 years. Can you believe that? Amen. Good night. 10 years. We got married when we were 12. And I know. <laughs> we're older than we look. Good genes, you know what I mean? But you know, none of you, except a few of you, <laughs> most of you were not at the wedding of myself and my wife. Okay? But when you met me, or you met my wife, some of you thought, oh, he's married. How did you know that? You noticed my ring. This shows people that I'm married. You understand that? My, the ring that my wife has on her finger shows people that she's married. When my wife goes out and about in town, she better have that ring on her finger. You know what I mean? That's how people know she's married. Now, now hold on a second. Let me ask you. Uh, here's, here's a trick question for some of you. Okay? Does the ring make me married? If I take this ring off, am I no longer married? I'm not married anymore. I took the ring off. I am not married. I don't know who Joanne Jimenez is. I don't know who Josh and Joel and Elizabeth are. I, I am not married anymore. Okay, look. If I lost my ring and I, you know, didn't have a ring, would I still be married? Yes. Of course I would. Okay? If I, if I lost my ring, would I still know that I'm married? Of course I would. Okay? But if I lost my ring and I went out and about, the, would, would strangers necessarily know that I'm married? No. No. So... When I put the ring on, it's not there to show me that I'm married. It's there to show others that I'm married. Do you understand that? That's why she better have that ring on her finger. I mean, it's not too dangerous for me. I mean, good night, you know. But when my wife, I mean, she's out and about, she better be, you know. I'm, I'm out and about, I'm, you know. I, I catch a guy, I my wife, I take her, her hand and I'm, See this? Okay. She already done, did the mistake, okay? It's been ten years. <laughs> All right? But the ring is there to show others. You understand? Okay. Baptism is not there to save you. You can be saved. You can, be saved. can you be saved without baptism? Okay, do you remember the thief on the cross? Remember Jesus was down on the cross, two thieves were on either side of him. They were, you know, uh, uh, railing on him. Remember one of them eventually believed on him and said, When thou remember me, when thou enters into thy kingdom. And what did Jesus say to him? Get off this cross and get baptized because you had to wash away your sins. No. He said, today thou shalt be with me in paradise. Did that guy ever get baptized? No. Did that guy ever go to church? No. Did that guy ever do anything? No. Did he do any good works? No. To him that worketh not, but believeth on him that justifieth him God because faith is counted for righteousness. Okay? So here's the thing though. Baptism just is an outside show. It shows people you're... Now, now hold on a second. If there was a wife that was married but refuse to wear her ring. Would you say, there's probably something wrong in that relationship? That's right. People, people say, well, I'm saved, but I don't want to get baptized. My question is this, what are you ashamed of? I mean, if my wife didn't want to put a ring on, I'd be like, hey, what's the problem here? You embarrassed me? You understand that? If I, if I said, honey, listen, I love you. Uh, I'm going to be married to you. Okay? Uh, I'm going to take care of the kids. I'm going to pay the bills. But listen, when I'm out and about, I don't want to wear this ring. I mean, how, do you, how would she take that? But yet people say, well, I'm saved, but I don't want to get baptized. My question is this, what are you embarrassed about? What are you ashamed about? I mean, are you ashamed of Jesus? You, you, you want to be married to Jesus, right? Well, put the ring on. Okay, baptism is a picture. Baptism, but here's the thing, you've got to go underwater. 
we got off on a big uh, big rabbit's trail there. But you got to understand this. It's underwater. Because when you put water on someone, you sprinkle them, you mess up the picture. Okay, so what can we learn? Go back to Matthew chapter 3. What can we learn from the baptism of Christ? Number one, we learned that Christ gave a priority. Number two, we learned... I don't remember what we learned. What did we learn? <laughs> Let me look at my notes here. That baptism identifies you. Number three, what did we learn? We learned that baptism submerges you underwater. Okay? That is biblical baptism. Number four, what can we learn from the baptism of Christ? Baptism, the baptism of Christ teaches us to identify. Now catch this, okay? I got, I got five minutes. It's 810, all right? We're not late. I got five minutes. Let's do this, okay? The baptism of Christ teaches us to identify the Trinity in baptism. Okay, go to Acts chapter 10, real quickly. Acts chapter 10, look at verse 48. Acts chapter 10, look at verse 48. Acts chapter 10, verse 48. Baptism teaches us to identify the Trinity. Okay, there is a big movement today called the Jesus Only Movement. I heard about it the first time uh, we had somebody visit our church from the Pentecostal Jesus Only Movement. We baptized somebody here. And I, and I said, you know, uh, so-and-so, have you accepted the Lord Jesus Christ as your personal Savior? Yes. All right, well, by your profession of faith, I baptize you, my brother, in the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Ghost, buried in the likeness of His death, raised to walk in newness of life. Right out, right out of Romans chapter 6, okay? After service, somebody comes up to me and says, Why did you baptize in the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Ghost? I said, uh... Because that's what Jesus said to do. And they said, well, let me show you a verse. And they took me to Acts chapter 10, verse 48. And they said, and he commanded them to be baptized in the name of the Lord. Then prayed they him to carry to tarry certain days. They said, see, see right there? They, they baptized him in the name of the Lord. In the name of Jesus. They said, you should only baptize in the name of Jesus. You should not baptize in the name of the Father. You should not baptize in the name of the Spirit. You should only baptize in the name of Jesus because they baptize in the name of the Lord. Okay? Now, let me give you a few things to think about. Number one, does it say that they baptize them only in the name of the Lord? Does it say that? Okay. If I baptize in the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Ghost, would it be wrong to say that I baptize in the name of the Lord? Do you understand what I'm saying? I mean, did I not, is Jesus not the Lord? The Lord Jesus Christ, is that not what He's called? So when I said, you're baptized in the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Ghost, is the Lord not in there? Now you got to understand this, okay? you got to understand how to study Scripture. Scripture is made up of two things. Statements and stories. You understand that? We are told to do things. Thou shalt not kill is not a story, it is a statement. God is telling us, don't kill. You understand? Okay? But it, it also tells us stories. You know, David killed Goliath, uh, you know, Paul went to Philippi. It tells us stories that people did. Okay? Now you understand this. We can look at stories and find patterns of things that they did in the Bible. There's nothing wrong with doing that. But you got to understand this. When a story contradicts a statement, the statement overrides the story. Say, so what are you talking about? Here's what I'm talking about. Acts 10.48 is a story. We're being told what they did. Okay? Just because they did it doesn't make it right. Do you understand that? Let, let, me, let me help you out. Go, go to Matthew 28. Matthew 28. Look at verse 19. 
Matthew 28, verse 19. We're almost done. Just, I just want to show you this and then a couple more things and we'll be done. Okay? Matthew 28, look at verse 19. Okay? Matthew 28, 19. This is Jesus speaking. If your Bible is a red letter edition, these words will be in red. Okay? Because this is Jesus speaking. Okay? Go ye therefore and teach all nations. This is what Jesus was telling us. Go ye therefore and teach all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Ghost. Do you see that? Here's my question. Is Matthew 28, 19 a story or a statement? It's a statement. Jesus is telling us He wants us to go therefore. He wants us to teach our nation. And Jesus Himself said that when we baptize, He wants us to baptize in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Ghost. Now here's the thing, okay? Here's what these, you know, uh, Jesus-only Pentecostal movements say. They'll, they'll, they'll come to you and they'll say, well, in, in Acts, they only baptize in the name of Jesus. But here's my question. Just because they did that doesn't make it right when Jesus said to do it this way. Okay. God said He made them male and female. He said two shall become one flesh. He said what God has joined together let no man put asunder. Okay. The Bible's very clear. Multiple statements. Marriage is one man, one woman. Alright? Now I can find a lot of stories in the Bible where David married multiple wives. Jacob married multiple wives. Okay, just because I can find stories of people doing something doesn't make it right. Do you understand that? That's called Bible study. That's called not just taking a verse out of context and building a whole religion on it. You can't just, well, this one verse says this, so I'm going to go get 12 wives. Now, hold on a second. When God specifically said, see, if there's a statement, you can show me all the examples of your own. That doesn't make it right. And your argument is weak to begin with because just because it says they baptize in the name of the Lord doesn't necessarily mean that was the only name they baptized in. But here's the thing. If Jesus said to baptize in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Ghost, then guess what? That's how we're going to do it. That makes sense? Okay, now go to Matthew chapter 3. Look at verse 16. I want you to see that in the baptism of Christ, the Trinity was identified. Okay? Matthew chapter 3. Look at verse 16. And Jesus. Okay, who's that? The Son. Number one, right? When he was baptized, went up straight out of the water, and lo, the heavens were open unto him, and he saw the Spirit of God. Number two. Okay, so you got the Son, you got the Spirit. Descending like a dove, and lighting upon him. Okay, so you got Jesus being baptized, and then you got the Spirit. He's not a dove, he's descending like a dove. Do you see that? Okay? So you got the Holy Spirit, separate from Jesus. It's going to mess you Jesus-only people up right now. You got Jesus getting baptized, the Spirit descending on him, verse 17, and lo, a voice from heaven, that's the Father, saying, you got the Trinity. Jesus being baptized, the Spirit separate from Jesus coming down on him, and a voice from heaven, the Father, saying, this is my beloved Son in whom I am well pleased. Thank you, Lord. The Trinity. Is it no wonder that Jesus said, okay, the Trinity was there when I got baptized, so when you get baptized, I want you to do it in the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Ghost. Well, I got this friend, and they told me that. Look, study the Bible, read the Bible. The Bible says, study to show thyself approved unto God, a workman that needeth not to be ashamed. Rightly dividing the word of truth. Alright? Let's finish this up, okay? Uh, I'm going to show you three verses. Keep your finger in Matthew 3, okay? Uh, go back to Acts 10, 48, okay? I do want to show you something in Acts 10, 48, okay? Not that you only need the name of Jesus, okay? Because guess what? We covered that when we did the Father, Son, and the Holy Ghost, alright? We believe in the Trinity. The Bible says there are three that bear record in heaven. 
The Father, the Word, and the Holy Ghost, and these three are one. I don't care if people... You say, well, I don't understand it. Look, I don't understand it either. We accept it by faith. The Bible says it, period. People like to say, the Bible says it, I believe it. No, no. It, it, it doesn't matter if you believe it. The Bible says it, period. God said it, that's it. Amen. Amen. You say, I don't understand it, I don't believe it, it doesn't matter, I don't care what you think. The Bible says it. And by the way, that's what makes you a Baptist, when the Bible is your authority. Acts 10, 48. Look what it says. But I do want you to see this, okay? And he commanded them to be baptized. Alright? Baptism, we find in Scripture. They're not saying like, Hey, if you ever think that maybe you might be interested, we'd like to... You know, when I first became a pastor, that's how I used to ask people. That's why we never got anybody baptized. (laughs) You know, we'd go like a year and baptize three people. Because I get them saved and I have boldness. Remember what I'm saying? I'm like, look, you need to get saved. You're going to die and go to hell. Jesus died on the cross for your sins. Like, man, why don't you pray right now and ask Jesus to save you? People get saved. And then I say, hey, listen, if you ever, you know, kind of think about getting baptized, you know, maybe we'd like to baptize you. And you don't get people baptized that way. You know what I tell people now? Hey, you need to get baptized. Why? Because God said Oh, okay. And guess what? We baptized people. No, look, we don't force people to do anything they don't want to do. Obviously, we don't want to make people uncomfortable. But you got to understand this. It's not an option. It's a command. God tells you to do it, so you should do it. Guess what? It's not an option for me to put this ring on. It's not an option for my wife to put her ring on. It's something that needs to be done. You understand that? Okay, go to Matthew chapter 3. Look at verse 17. We're done. We're done. Let me show you Matthew three seventeen. Okay? God commands us to get baptized, so guess what happens? Every time God tells you to do something and you do it, here's what happens. Matthew 3.17 And lo, a voice from heaven saying, This is my beloved Son in whom I am well pleased. Now when Jesus was baptized, the voice literally came down from heaven saying, I am pleased in my Son. But I wonder, I wonder, if every time that someone gets saved, they follow Jesus in believer's baptism, I wonder if up in heaven God says, Hey, that's my beloved Son in whom I am well pleased. God wants you to do what He tells you to do. And if He says to get baptized, He wants you to get baptized. Okay? But let me give you a warning. Alright? We're going to be in Matthew chapter 4 next week. But I just want to show you one thing. We're done right here. Look at verse 1. Okay? Then. You see the word then in Matthew chapter 4 verse 1? Then was Jesus led up. Now, the word then tells us this is, this is like a chronology. Okay? Then. When. After He got baptized. You understand that? He got baptized. Then was Jesus led up of the Spirit into the wilderness to be tempted of the devil. I'm here to tell you something. You know, I, I get excited to baptize people. We've been baptizing more people in the last few weeks than we ever have in the uh, you know ministry of our church. I mean, we baptize somebody on Sunday. We got somebody scheduled to baptize next Sunday. I, I'm excited to baptize people. I want to baptize people. It's a first step in baptism. But you know, at the same time, I get scared to death whenever I baptize somebody. You know why? You're not going to believe this. But we, we could have people come to this church for years. Literally, I mean, I could tell you name after name after name where we've had people come to this church Sunday morning, Sunday night, Wednesday night, or just coming faithfully on Sunday mornings for like a year. They finally get baptized and we never see them again. You say, why is that? Because when you follow the Lord and believers baptism, you know what you're saying? You're saying, hey, I, I'm, I'm getting into this thing. I'm going to do what God says. And the first thing that the first person that's going to meet you is the devil. 
As soon as you take that step and say, hey, I'm in it. I'm getting baptized. I'm putting the ring on. I'm not embarrassed. I'm going to get the first. What happens? Jesus gets baptized. What's the first thing that happens? He's led by the Spirit of the wilderness to be tempted of the devil. I'm just, I'm just trying to tell you. You say, Pastor Minutes, do you not want to see about? I want you to get baptized. I'm just warning you. As soon as you get baptized, get ready for the fight because it's coming. Just get ready for the battle because it's coming. I mean... It, it, it's a rare, and I'm not trying to. I'm not trying to make anybody feel bad. Please understand this. It's a rare thing to baptize somebody and have them come back the next week. You, see, you, know, you say, "Well, that's funny." No, it's not. It's not funny because as soon as they get baptized, guess who gets serious about attacking them? Satan. Just, just realize the devil's real. You're gonna fall to him. You better just buck up and realize, hey, we're in a fight. We're in a spiritual warfare. You say, "I want to get baptized." Praise the Lord. Get ready for the fight. It's coming. It's ready for the devil. It's fight. It's coming. Jesus gets baptized, and what happens? He's led of the Spirit into the wilderness to be tempted of the devil. Let's bow our heads and have a word of prayer. Dear Father, Lord, we love you. Thank you for our church. Thank you for allowing us to be able to study Matthew chapter 3, study the baptism of Jesus Christ. Lord, I pray that you bless us. Lord, help us to continue to keep baptizing people. Lord, help people to take that step of baptism. Help them to be ready. As they get baptized, be ready. The fight's on. Saints coming. They're going to get led into the wilderness. But of course, we have Jesus as an example of how to fight the devil. Lord, we love you. Thank you for our church. Father, I pray that you'd bless the time we have together. And I pray that you'd help everybody, Lord, to just learn about baptism. If they've been baptized, praise the Lord. Help them to learn about baptism. Help them to go out, get people saved, teach them about baptism so that they can follow the Lord. If there's somebody that needs to be baptized, Lord, uh, uh, please help our ministry to just be able to baptize uh, believers, Lord. Teach them about baptism and get excited for it, Lord, uh, so that they can continue in their Christian walk. We love you. In your precious name I pray. Amen.